Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standard Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standick, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic. It is Thursday here in the DMV. Only a few more days to go until the 2023 regular season is over for the Washington Commanders, and we believe a brand new era will truly begin here with the burgundy and gold. Um, With that in mind, today is one of those days where I have on my guy Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. We have gone back and forth on each other's podcast throughout the year or throughout the season. It's been a lot of um, fun. I don't know. It's fun the right word. You know, it's fun to discuss these things with Al, but obviously it's been a trying turn. But one thing, we, we pretty much had one specific focus on today's podcast. And it was something that Ron Rivera said the other day when asked basically that he thinks or at least hopes that he left the team in a better position than when he picked it up in 2020. So we looked at that. We looked at it through various categories uh, and we came up with the verdict. So we'll get to that in a few minutes here on the podcast, which of course you can find on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you do your podcasting. Um, New words today from me on the athletic uh, coat. Uh, well, actually, I guess they were up yesterday, but you know, it's close enough. Um, coaching candidates. We already did our GM candidates. Now coaches. I think this was a little trickier because we, if we assume that the GM is going to pick or help pick the coach, got to get to that step first. But nonetheless, I did speak with people around the league to get a feel for how they see uh, the top candidates. I think there's a lot more uh difference of opinion here uh than there is in on the gm list but nonetheless a good exercise so hopefully you can check that out on the athletic when you have time uh and if you're not a subscriber obviously be great if you considered uh doing so all right so uh not a ton else to get into today again sam howell is going to start this week for washington I don't know how – it seems like there could be a fair amount of other guys who are out. Uh, For example, today, both Curtis Samuel and Cam Curl went from uh, practicing somewhat yesterday to DNP today. I don't get the sense that they're hurt. I get the sense that two guys who are free agents are probably not going to play in this game. Uh, Kendall Fuller, I would assume, is also going to be out. John Allen has not practiced the last two days, um, et cetera. So could be a very different look for Washington, I I think – the offensive players, for the most part, in terms of the fantasy football type positions, think they're going to play. But we will see what happens. Uh, we'll find out more tomorrow. Officially on Friday, they'll give us the injury report for the game. Um, needless to say, just as a, as a heads up, on Monday, I will have another podcast because we we believe their changes are going to be made specifically with Ron Rivera. They would take place, you know. Sunday night, but most likely on Monday. So needless to say, we'll have a podcast and excited to um, discuss what happens next. I mean, you know, I'm not excited to discuss somebody losing their job, if that's how things go. Excited, though, to discuss a new era. And I think for me, and Al and I touched on this, we're going to, it's right now the focus is Ron Rivera. But the reality is it's really the first start without Dan Snyder. That is the, the what's going on here. Rivera was the last coaching hire by Snyder. 
other than the name, which many of you still don't like, I understand, that kind of puts a bow on the Snyder era. Yes, of course, there's the after effects, the ripple effects of things that happened over the course of his era that still affect this team now. But, you know, we will now have Josh Harris in position to make moves as he sees fit. And, you know, the possibilities are endless, frankly. But among the possibilities, some level of normalcy with the ownership of this franchise. So I think to that extent, it's a very interesting time ahead for sure. But And we will discuss that on Monday. I will have a guest for sure. So, um, and we'll go from there. And obviously over the next, you know, few weeks all the way through the draft, it's going to be busy, right? They've got to pick, again, if we're assuming Rivera is gone, not just a new coach and, and most most likely a completely new coaching staff, or at least the majority of a new staff. Same thing with the front office. Ron Rivera is overseeing the head, of the, the head of the front office. I would imagine some of the names that we discuss all the time, the executives there, will be out as well. How does that get uh, reshaped? What are they doing at quarterback? We know that right now they have a shot at the number two overall pick. There are a bunch of games beyond like whether Washington and New England win or lose um, that will determine essentially the tiebreaker for them between picking second or third. As long as Washington loses, they can't pick worse than third. Arizona has got uh, – they're not going to catch either of these teams unless they both were to win. Um and then what ha- you know whether they're picking two or three, there'll be quarterback will be in play, and what does that look like? So um, there's a lot to get into. Oh, I didn't even mention 90 million in cap space, tons of free agents, a bunch of the guys that I just said. How does that play out? So it's going to be busy. I, I would just encourage you if you if you like this podcast, if you just find yourself every once in a while checking out this podcast, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Um, I plan on you know hopefully. Uh, planning on being at the various pre-draft events, the combine, hopefully the senior bowl, uh, we'll be at the owners meeting. So a lot to get into and, you know, um, I think it's going to be a wild ride. So I hope you, you guys will come along for the ride here on the podcast, as well as at the athletic. Um, all right, that said, let's get to it. Uh, Al Galdi is at Al Galdi on Twitter. I'm of course on at Ben Standing. I keep saying Twitter, but it's X, you know what I mean? Um, So anyway, hopefully uh, you guys are along for the ride. But for now, let's get to it. Here's my conversation with Al Galdi on whether Ron Rivera has left Washington in a better place than when he found it here on the Standard Room Only podcast. They said it couldn't be done, that two men could not alternate weeks on their various (laughs) podcasts throughout an NFL season. But we're here to prove them wrong as Al Galdi and I have made it to week 18. I get to host the last episode of this uh, venture during the regular season. Uh, Sources say this may continue into the offseason. But here we are, Al. I didn't go back and listen to the first one of these we did. Boy, I have to imagine we were happier people. That we were that, that we were more excited about what might happen this year than the way we are right now. Yeah, well, I consider 
the partnership between you and me, like the Ron Rivera, Eric Bieniemy partnership. You know, we embarked on this voyage this season. We didn't know where it was going to take us. We have made it to the end of the season. I don't know that we could say it was a successful season. We'll let other people determine that. I'm also not sure whether you're Ron or I'm Ron or you're Eric or I'm Eric, but we can figure that out later. Uh, but yeah, like Ron and Eric, I think that the tone of things back in August and September, a bit different than uh, the tone of things right now. Well, hopefully uh, various uh, people are not complaining to you about my uh, podcasting style because that would be <laughs> we, don't, we, don't, we don't need that out there into the world. Um, yeah, here we are. Week 18. We're talking on Thursday morning. You know, we're all anticipating sometime after the game, presumably on the league's Black Monday, that there will be major changes. Ron Rivera most likely gone. And I say most likely just to, you know, be kind of nice about it, I guess. Beyond that. We will have to see, but it's a lot is to come. Um, we're going to talk about something that Ron Rivera has like. Like we have discussed a lot about what's gone wrong this specific season. We've discussed, you know, looking ahead, what what kind of needs to happen. But Ron Rivera brought up a topic in recent days about whether or not he's left this organization in a better place than when he found it, and he's talked about that in recent days. And I thought. And we'll each offer a final verdict. But I wanted to go through it sort of a side-by-side comparison to a degree with the team he inherited and the team that he's essentially leaving for whomever comes next. Um, I'm not sure what else to... I'm not sure what else to ask you before we even get going. But what... uh, I guess, like when you when you look back on that 2020 start, how far away did you think that they were from being anything? Well, the hope was always that the roster actually wasn't as bad as we thought, and that coaching had failed the then Redskins, who then became Washington Football Team for that 2020 season, more than the actual talent had failed the team and. Isn't it funny, right? Because that's now the hope, or at least had been the hope. But I, I think that that idea has been dispelled in a lot of ways. I think the talent isn't as good as we thought. But, you know, what I always hoped going from 2019 to 2020 was something like, okay, uh, we're not going to see Montez sweat in pass coverage anymore. You know, like I remember one of the first things that came out when Jack Del Rio was hired as defensive coordinator in 2020, January of 2020 was that he said the team was going back to a 4-3 base defense. And that got people so excited, right? Because <laughs> this this era of the 3-4 never worked. The team really never had good defenses with the 3-4. And, you know, even with the idea that nickel really is the true base in the modern NFL, the notion of, hey, now our edge defenders are going to be true edge guys. And we're not going to have the likes of Montez Sweat and, you know, Ryan Kerrigan dropping back in a pass coverage. And they're going to be true pass uh, rushers. And, you know, when Ron said things like, we're going to play the run on the way to the quarterback. Remember, that got people all kinds of excited. So, yeah, I mean, there was this thought process of, okay, the talent maybe isn't that bad. It just needs to be channeled in a better direction. And then the team went 7-9 and nine and won the horrible NFC East in 2020. And you felt like, you know what? The coaching did do this team well. You know, like if you if you go back to 2020, remember one of the big things that Ron and the team got praised for was the low rate at which guys tested positive for COVID. Remember, that was like such a big deal. They handled COVID so well. They handled it so responsibly. And this was representative of the new culture, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, now we know a lot more about COVID than we did in 2020. 
And we know a lot more about what happened with Ron uh, and with this team. And so, you know, I thought that things were going in the right direction. You know, I was willing to sort of accept in 2021, well, the season unraveled because of the COVID outbreak late in the year and the defense is bad early in the year, but maybe the team wasn't as bad as, as it looked in 2021. And but Fitzpatrick like, got season, hurt 10 minutes into the season, so whatever that was going to be. Right. But, but you know, it started to really hit me last season, and it, it sure came to the forefront this season. When you have to keep making excuses for why a team isn't winning, when you have to keep doing the yeah, but thing, there's a problem. And we are surrounded in this current NFL with quick turnarounds. And so, yeah, uh, things did not go well. Things really unraveled this year. And I think it's very difficult to put a positive spin on the Ron Rivera era for Washington at this point. I don't know how you do that at this point. No, I don't. Um, I don't either. I um I was looking back at some of my old articles for, you know, to, to doing some research for, you know, whatever I'm going to write over the next uh, few days. And I, there was the game against the Titans in uh that was last year, right? Uh, they, they, they lose that game. Um, Wentz got hurt the next game. Um, and I was looking back at some things and uh, Rivera was talking about like what, you know, about where this team was. And he goes, quote, this is never going to happen overnight. It's never going to happen overnight. But it was year three. It wasn't year one. That was what he was saying in year one. And okay, that's fair. Even in year two. Okay, but this was year three. The You know, the same sort of questions remained. Um, this is also the same guy who, after they lost to Tampa, said, quote, this group, I think, if we can grow and learn together and add a couple more pieces, I think we have a shot next year, end quote, meaning a shot at, a real contender. Well, that doesn't sound like you're thinking this is going to take time. You sounds like you're thinking, you know, this was um, something to do. And then it just kind of kept, like you said, it kind of kept going from there. There was always um, an excuse to a degree as to why things were not um, working out, but okay. You know, as Mark McGuire would say, or uh, yeah, McGuire would say, I'm not here to talk about the past. We're here to talk about, well, I guess we are a little bit. We're here to talk. We're here to compare the past to where things are at right now. So, so here's what I'm gonna do. We're not gonna go through every player or anything, but I'm gonna. Look, I, I broke it down into a few different categories, and we'll react to where they were then and where they are now. Let's start a quarterback. It's fair to say that they're still in the position of having to find one. Back then, there was a Dwayne Haskins had played a few games late in his rookie season. Um, I think there was at least some reason to be hopeful based on some strides made. I have said many times I was personally out when he did the selfie uh, on the sideline after the Detroit win because I just can't comprehend that even like a high school quarterback would have done that and that said something to me. Um, but I understand like broader picture, there was at least some reason to con consider it versus Sam Howell. Sam Howell, much better performance this year than than they ever received from Haskins and he's going to play all seven he'll start all 17 games this year first quarterback to do that since Kirk Cousins a lot of ups and downs particularly the end of the year but nonetheless I think I still would say how exceeded or at expect realistic expectations but is he the starter for next season I, I think that is very much in doubt so they're kind of in the same boat but how I would say is a better for me a better upside than where Haskins was at that point 
Yeah, I mean, it's kind of tricky because we know what ended up happening with Dwayne as an NFL quarterback, at least with Washington, right? I'm not talking about him passing away. I'm talking about how horribly his 2020 season with the team ended up going and he ends up getting cut before the end of the season. So it's like, I don't think we would view Sam in that light. Um, But, you know, the thing is this, and you hit on it, Dwayne did play well over his last two games in his 2019 rookie season. So there was this sense of, hey, maybe things were starting to click for him. And so there actually was some optimism with him going into 2020. I remember that. I remember thinking that of, hey, you know, it was rough to begin, but they actually did pretty well over those last two games, two NFC East games. So you thought that maybe just maybe there was something there. There isn't that optimism with Sam. You know, how a quarterback, a young quarterback ends a season matters so much, as we all know. And if if you took Sam's first two months and made them the last two months, the conversation right now would be totally different. But because he has ended his season in a poor way, I mean, I guess we'll see what he does against Dallas. But I don't think anyone is uh, going to go nuts, even if he does do well in that game. I think there's actually less optimism with Sam as a as a true potential franchise quarterback than there was with Dwayne going into 2020. But yes, I mean, if you're doing the compare and contrast of the two seasons, Dwayne's 2019 versus Sam's 2023, Sam had the better year, although, you know, <laughs> it's a low bar and, you know, it's tough with Sam. I mean, uh, there have been some good things. He has had his moments, as uh, Ron Rivera likes to say. But, man, the overall numbers are brutal, okay? Like, I mean, if you're just being objective about this, and especially if you look at the advanced stuff, I mean, it has not been a good season for Sam Howell. And this does go down as yet another low-level quarterback season for Washington. Like, this team, year in and year out, since the start of the 2018 season, has gotten really bad quarterback play. And, unfortunately, uh, this season has continued that. I think I saw a stat on Twitter. Sorry, apologies. I don't know who put this out there, but it was said that, Basically, Sam Howell, with one week to go, is tracking to be the first quarterback to lead the league in interceptions and sacks taken since Blake Bortles, I want to say like 2017, something like that. Uh, Yeah, I mean, the view we had for Sam was because it was like watching a kid learn to walk in the first few games. Like, wow, he's not just walking. He's already running. But as the season went on, he's like, well, he's running, but he's running into the furniture. And uh that 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 that's where things started to change. Okay, so that said, there's Dwayne's promise versus Hal's production slash decline. So if you had to compare how the again, this is about we have to ignore like you said what happened with Dwayne on the field after that. So based on that, would you give the edge to the 2020 or 2024 essentially at quarterback? Well, I'd give it to 2020 because. There was optimism with Dwayne going into 2020. And right now, there isn't this feeling that Sam's the QB1 moving forward, you know? So it may sound odd, but like if you put yourself back into your mindset of January 2020 versus January 2024, you had more optimism with Dwayne in January of 2020 than you have with Sam in January of 24 in terms of which guy is more likely uh, to be a franchise quarterback. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think the majority of you would be what you just said. I, having, as I said, I was already kind of out on the situation. Um, I'm not saying that means I would have drafted Justin Herbert or Tua when they had the second pick because, you know, there's a lot that goes into that. But I would say how, but I think, again, the majority of you is going to be what you said. I, I I don't argue that at all. All right, let's go to stars. You got, you know, it's good to have good players. You got to have great players or, or potentially really good players. And 
just to go through some of the, uh, the the folks here. So this is where Washington was in 2019. You had on the defensive line, you had John Allen, Deron Payne, Montez Sweat. All of them at that point that were in the league for three years or less. You didn't have Chase Young yet, so we're not going to say him, but you had the number two pick, but it wasn't definitively Chase Young. They made that determination uh, later. You also had one year of Terry McLaurin. You had a, a multi-time pro bowler in Brandon Scherf. I'm not even going to necessarily count Trent Williams. He had held out the previous season. We knew that relationship was pretty much fractured beyond repair for the most part. So there's that. So that's what they had then, unless I'm forgetting somebody. This year, well, for what it's worth, Washington, the Pro Bowl, uh, the Pro Bowl announcement came out yesterday. Zero Washington players. I believe, according to Pro Football Reference, it's the first time since 1993 that they didn't even have one guy make the team. Now, you still have John Allen, Deron Payne, and Terry McLaurin. They're not like stars, but obviously they're good players. But I, but I don't know that we have anybody else to really add to the list beyond that. So how do you look at those situations? Again, they were all kids back then. Now some of these guys are more established. What do you make of, of, of that look? Yeah, I don't. Would you count Adrian Peterson, who was on the 2019 Skins and actually was pretty good, but you know, obviously was past his peak. Is, is he a star? Do we count him as a star? Um, you know, he certainly is a name star, and like you know, without him, who knows? Uh, you know, th- those couple of years there was like you know, it was pretty much just ride the old man and hope for the best. Yeah. So uh, to to an extent, but you know, you know, I mean, I guess if they were like more of a contending team, you could say, hey, Peterson can get still do stuff on a three win team. It's like, well, I don't know how much it matters. Yeah, I, I think it's tricky again because the John Allen and Deron Payne say of 2019 into 2020 different than the Allen and Payne of 2023 into 24. Neither guy had really busted out yet. Uh, they were viewed as pretty good players, but Allen didn't really bust out until a year or two later. And obviously Payne didn't really bust out uh, until last season. And what's funny now is I, I get the sense from a lot of Commanders fans, and I'm, a, I'm among them, I think there really has become John Allen and Deron Payne fatigue. You know, neither guy has had a great season this year. You know, they've been okay, especially Allen. I think he's been better than Payne has been. But, you know, especially with some of Allen's comments as the season has gone on, I, you know, I, I think uh, there are a lot of people who are kind of like, uh, hey, dude, are, are you with us or not? And, uh, you know, where's this supposed leadership of you being a team captain and, you know, having gotten paid by this team? So, I, I think it's a wash. I mean, I didn't really feel like there were great stars on this team back then, and I don't really feel that way now. Um, you know, I guess if you're forcing me to pick, I guess I would say now just because Allen and Payne and Terry are more established than they were, you know, in January of 2020. And if we're not going to count Trent Williams, then I, I would I would say now. But, man, I mean, it, it's, you know, it's six and one, half dozen the other, and neither is good. Uh, the when you talk about like blue chip upper tier of the NFL talent, the team didn't have it then. And I don't feel like the team has it now. Yeah. I'm with you on, they don't have it now. I think that's one of been one of the revelations of this season. Obviously I'm not putting the season on necessarily these guys, but like you said, Allen and Payne um, have not lived up to prior status. And, you know, Terry's going to have another thousand yard season. It looks like, but you know, there were, stretches where he just wasn't getting the ball and 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 i think what what as we this is what happens in sports we everybody overhypes or over rips 
uh, the players on their team because they're the ones you focus on the most. But when we see games like where the Giants have Dexter Lawrence, who's considered to be in that Allen Payne category, really dominate uh, when they faced uh, Washington. Um, you know, A.J. Brown just completely shredding Washington multiple times. Um, you know, maybe maybe Terry McLaurin would have done the same if he went up against Washington secondary. But the point is that, like, they have really good players, but they don't have guys who are the truly difference makers. Um, but here's what I'll say to that, and I like the fact that we're somewhat disagreeing on these things. I'm going to say the 2020 better for this reason. Now, I, I'm, I'm classifying it as stars, so what I'm about to say is a little bit uh, inconsistent. But what was good was... Well, at that point, at least Alan Payne and somewhat and Sweat had already shown, hey, there's something here. We we'll see where it goes, but there's something here. Plus, they were all still cheap at that point. Same with Terry, right? The potential was there. And what was so fun about the potential was, boy, if you play this right, you could do a lot of interesting things. You have these young guys. Can you add maybe even some expensive free agents to pair with these young talents. We talk so much about the cheap rookie contract with Sam Howell. Look at all the cheap rookie contracts they had across the board with their best players. But now they've all been paid. There's no, there's no cheap value anymore on any of those guys. Not to mention it's four years later. Like I'm not saying that these guys are washed, but you've now lost four years of, I guess you could say the prime of their respective careers. I'm not saying they don't have more years. I'm just saying four years have gone by now. There's way more tread on those tires, you know, uh, than, than than there has been to this point. And I, you know, you can't get that back. Whoever's going to come in now, I think almost has to look potentially at those guys as like a negative asset in the sense of they're going to cost a lot of money. And if this team is truly rebuilding, do you really need these guys on the books? Because, where are you going, right? And John Allen may want an extension off of what his deal is, et cetera. Um, we mentioned Brandon Scherf. Look, I, you know, I'm not saying Brand- – I think Brandon Scherf was always a bit – a tick overrated, but at the same point, he was a pro bowler. He was hurt way too much. By the way, the stat of the year for me is Brandon Scherf has not missed the game in two years with Jacksonville, assuming he plays this week. That's well, a- how about how about Trent Williams and how he has stayed healthy with San Francisco? Um, absolutely. Yeah. You know, the, you, you do wonder about that. How come those guys couldn't stay healthy here, but stay healthy elsewhere? What is, what is this team Washington not doing that these other teams are doing for sure? Right. So, so bizarre. So I, I guess my point is like, if the new person is coming in and I look at the landscape of, I've got these pieces and I want to get to the, we'll get to the draft picks specifically later, but I've got these pieces, all these young guys who are already showing potential. Terry was a, stud right off the right out of the gate right i i can there's a lot i can work with here on over here all right well i guess these are our best players and they're good but i i don't think it's not like the like the rams have aaron donald and like a bunch of random dudes on their defense but because you have the guy who's like the best defensive player in football that's a great son to revolve around and you don't have that here so i'm gonna go the 2020 group Um, In part because, like I said, there's also they've been paid. There's a lot more tread on those tires. Yeah, I guess it depends on how you define stars, you know, right? Like Like I said, I was cheating slightly. Yeah, I was going to say, because, like, I think Alan Payne and Terry have more star power now than four years ago. But 
I hear you. And I mean, it's interesting with the cap stuff, right? Because the team actually is in great cap shape, even though Allen and Payne and Terry have all gotten big money contracts. Of course, a big difference is you don't have Trent Williams contract on the books anymore. You don't have Alex Smith's contract on the books anymore. You have those two uh, contracts uh, in addition to some others uh, back in 2019, 2020, right? Like Morgan Moses, Jordan Reed, et cetera. Right. And that's the thing. I mean, not, not to defend myself, like star is relative, right? I mean, uh, who's the best? Who's a really good rookie in the league this year? Uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, Jameer. Right. I mean, like, is that guy a star? I, I don't know. I mean, made the Pro Bowl, but we're like Jameer Gibbs. It, it feels like there's something there, right? That, that, I guess it's like a, a, a rising star, but yeah. okay. anyway. All right. Well, speaking of that, let's stay in this sort of realm here. Let's go to roster building, right? Because part of this is the exercise is right, what is the potential? I just discussed some of it because of some of these guys were really young in 2020. Let's just look at the four first round picks prior to the changes. The first one in back in the back of the day, you had Josh Dotson. That didn't quite work out. But then you had John Allen, Deron Payne, and Montez Sweat. And I'll add one more find, and that would be Terry McLaurin. So that's a pretty good baseline right there that the Bruce Allen-led Fred office left for Ron Rivera. Here's what Ron Rivera is leaving the next person, the last four first-round picks. Chase Young, he doesn't live here anymore. Jamin Davis, I mean, I don't personally think they should even pick up his fifth-year option, but we'll see what they do there. Jahan Dotson, I, I imagine we're all still positive on him, but needless to say, this was a, a, a sophomore slump for whatever the reason. And then we have Emmanuel Forbes, who I still think there's something there, but clearly it's been a rocky rookie season in which he was benched and wasn't playing a ton um, until like you know Benjamin St. Hughes got his concussion and, and they started and Kendall Fuller didn't play. I don't think this one is much of a, like, oh, and I guess if the extra piece ends up giving one, I was just going to say Cam Curl, but he's a free agent. So I don't even know that we could say that. I'm not sure. I'll go Sam Cosme as the extra piece. I mean, he he is one of the guys. He maybe ascended more than any player this year, other than uh, other than maybe Brian Robinson on the team. So we'll go there. I, I to me, this is a pretty easy one. I don't think the from a roster building perspective, this group compares to that group. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's a little tricky because that group can be defined in a lot of different ways, right? Because you had Mike Shanahan running things 2010 through 2013, then Bruce Allen 2014. Then Scott McLuhan was the GM 2015, 2016. Then it was back to Bruce 2017 through 2019. So I, I guess it's kind of like, where exactly are we drawing the lines here? But I, I'm with you. I mean, the, the I think the number one thing with this year, as much as anything, has been this realization that the roster isn't as good as we thought. And sort of digging deeper on that is what has become of these Ron Rivera drafts. You know, especially the last three. I feel like the 2020 draft, the one that still had Kyle Smith involved was maybe okay. You know, like you did get Antonio Gibson, you got Cam Curl, James Smith Williams in the seventh round. And, you know, Chase Young didn't work out, but he was defensive rookie of the year. These last three drafts, uh, man, as time has gone on, they really don't look good. And once you get beyond, I guess, Sam Cosme, who, you know, didn't really do well until this year, he was maybe okay initially, but like this year, he's been really good. And Brian Robinson, who's had a good season. Beyond those guys, what? I mean, you know, Derek Forrest, he had one good season, and he wasn't playing that well this year. We don't know that he's a true player moving forward. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the, the drafting has been a real issue. And, um, 
you know, it, 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 it's it's aggravating as a fan because when Ron hired Martin Mayhew and Marty Herney in January of 2021 and, and we had the revamping of the front office, I remember talking about this. Like, if you look at Mayhew and Herney and their draft track records, their player personnel track records, they're exceedingly mediocre. And like, yes, there have been some hits, but there have been a lot of misses. And the team for sure was not bringing in two guys with like records of excellence when it came to player personnel. You know, these were records of mediocrity. And it's like, you're revamping the front office and this is what you're turning to? Like these guys with their track records, but you say, hey, you know, maybe Ron knows things that we don't know, you know? Because there still was like optimism back then. Coming off the NFC East title, you said, all right, you know, let's see what these guys have. And no, I mean, what they have been is exactly what those track records were at best. I mean, at best, you would say the drafts have been mediocre, but I don't think you could even say that. I, I think these have been bad drafts, especially uh, these last three. Uh, again, I was looking back at some of my old stories when they named Hearn. Well, they didn't name him, but when Hurdy was projected as the GM before May, they switched it and Mayhew took over. I had a story up that was basically Rivera chooses comfort over boldness. Uh, you know that that he went for what he knew, which is of course everything he did for the most part here. Um, and I and I don't want to say that like old older guys can't get it done as a, as a resident older guy now, but like, yeah, I mean when you had every all of your figureheads were from a different era, you know we talk about analytics a lot. Like, well, that's again it doesn't have to be a young man's game, but it tends to be that way. And they didn't have anybody who who was in that. A vein. I mean, I guess Eric Stokes is a younger guy, but you know he's clearly fourth or fifth in line to the throne. Um, you know, when it comes to decision making, uh, there. By the way, just to to, uh, to use a, a stat that I saw Grant Paulson put up earlier: thirty-four draft picks, one Pro Bowl, however many free agents they added, zero Pro Bowls. So yep. I mean, not that the Pro Bowl means anything, but it's at least some sign of hey, we got some success here. And, and they got nothing. Uh, they've got almost nothing out of that. Yeah, every Pro Bowl and all pro selection of the Ron Rivera era for Washington, other than Chase Young making the Pro Bowl in 2020, was by a player who was acquired prior to Ron being hired as Washington head coach. And that tells you so much um, that that was it. And, you know, Chase was it. Every other Pro Bowl and all pro selection was someone who was already here. Right. All right. And that goes back to what we were discussing earlier. Even if we're saying, hey, they got Allen, they got Payne, they got uh, McLaurin. Sure, but then what? what? What else can you do? I mean, there's so many guys this year, you know, again, we'll see. Like, all the guys in the secondary I almost want to give a pass to because I just feel like the Brett Wieselmeyer as the DB's coach was just not a good was not a good fit. Obviously, the defense imploded in numerous ways. And, you know, maybe just the overhang at the start of the year of sensing that there would be change when the season ended just – derailed too many things but whatever it was um it's just hard to look at this group and go well at least they have pieces x y and z that we'll see this draft class was you know a complete non-factor for the majority of the season and uh you know the free agents were unhelpful uh for the most part all right so last one i had here was just depth overall again not going to go through every pick in the 53 you look back at the, what he, what Rivera was inheriting. The, the, the secondary at that point was Josh Norman, Quentin Dunbar, Landon Collins, Monte Nicholson in some way, shape, or form. Um, other than Collins, none of those guys were a factor 
here or didn't even play here. And Landon Collins was like a fraught relationship the whole time. Them wanting him to shift positions. He doesn't want to do it. All these kinds of things. The wide receivers with Terry McLaurin were basically Kelvin Harmon and Paul Richardson. Uh, Richardson went from signing a five-year, $40 million contract in 2018 to not playing again after the 2019 season, showing where that went. Kelvin Harmon, who I liked coming out of college, you know, he just didn't he just didn't develop to be more than just a guy um and kind of bouncing around practice squads since and things like and training camps and things like that. Um, I think those are good examples of where the depth was pretty poor and it's better now. You know, even if Curtis Samuel's not back. You know, Jahan Dotson is certainly a better player than than those guys. The secondary, even if Cam Curl and Kendall Fuller are gone, and I'm not saying any of these guys are studs, but like at least I think there's more promise with the St. Juice, the Forbes, the 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 Forests, the Butler, uh, Juan Martin. So at least there's something there. I don't know what it is, but it feels like there's something there. So those to me are examples of where I would say the depth now across the roster is better than. I'm sure you can poke holes at other positions, but that would be my broad view. But but how do you kind of look at the overall roster then to now? Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, I think it's one of these deals where it's like, it's better now, I guess, but it's not good now. You right. know, it, it, it's like saying he's the nicest guy in prison. Well, okay, but what does that exactly mean? And that's kind of how I feel about this. That 2019 Skins team was really bad. There's no question about that. But, you know, this 2023 Commanders team is really bad. And I, I think if you're going to say that the depth is definitely better on this team than the other team, you are sort of putting faith in, hey, Forbes isn't as bad as he looked this season. St. Juice isn't as bad as he looked this season. And those uh, beliefs may well be true. I hope like heck that they are true. But, you know, I, I look at something like tight end. Uh, man, this tight end group is not good. Um, th- 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 this is a second consecutive season of like nothing happening at tight end. Um, and you know, by the way, just as an aside, I mean, Cole Turner, remember all the optimism about him? He can't even get active in this season in which the tight end production has been woeful. And you've got Logan Thomas doing very little and John Bates dropping balls. And Alex Arma is continually active over Cole Turner. Like, what does that say? Armani Rogers is out. Curtis Hodges is out. And Turner still can't be made active. That's just like another one of these things with the bad drafting. And, and, and with how, you know, we get excited about someone who was drafted. Because there had been optimism with Cole Turner, right? He had been talked up in previous off-seasons and training camps. And, like, you know, this is one of these things that I'm sure most people don't, aren't paying attention to. And why should you? But he has not been active with any consistency lately. He's been active a few times, but he's been inactive a bunch too, even though the situation has screamed uh, for someone like him uh, to be given an opportunity. So you have to wonder why the heck isn't he getting an opportunity? You know, is it that he's not even close to being the player uh, who we had hoped that he would be? So, yeah, I mean, I guess you would say now is better. But uh, again, I think it it does require putting some faith into some guys and um, it it isn't close to what it should be. That's for darn sure. Yeah, no, 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 no doubt. Um, yeah, I like your analogy. The nicest guy in prison is is good. Um, yeah, no, look, I mean, in the NFL, any sport, you have to have, you have to have talent. You know, it's sort of like I I look at like the Wizards, terrible team this year. We get it. Not that they're trying to be a contender. They have all their players. Their top 10, 11 players are all fine players. They can all play for contenders but they have nobody to carry them. And that's where we're like, so like, it's like, okay, some of these guys on this team are fine, 
but like to what end? Like they're not good enough to to be like, oh, here they come. And simultaneously, there's not enough to to carry them to you know to better days. So um, yeah, it, it's it's yeah. I was so like yeah, I give the nod to the current group, but like you said, it's a shrug situation. It's hard to get particularly excited. It's going to be really interesting to see what the next football operations regime a thinks of the players on this roster and b does with the players on this roster because if we do see say Forbes be a lot better next season and St. Juice be a lot better next season uh then you can say well the Ron Rivera regime drafted the right guys but just did the wrong things with those guys see I, I think what's tricky is did Ron pick the wrong players or has he just done bad stuff with those players? You know, is this an issue of drafting or more player development? And it's always so difficult to differentiate between those two things. So you always kind of just lump them together, but there is a difference, right? Are you picking the right guys and doing the wrong things with those guys? Or are you just not picking the right guys? And uh, we don't know right now, uh, but whatever the case, the production isn't what it should be. That's uh, that, that's clear. Yeah. I mean, I think in the NFL more than the NBA, coaching coaching matters and all sorts but to the degree it matters i think it's more in the nfl the nba it's almost it's almost all about the players and just yeah what they can do in the nfl it's about schemes and fit and all these things and i would you know again to go back to i think the defensive back room is the one most interesting relative to what you were just saying a year ago that was the most one of the most exciting parts of the team and you had chris harris who was being viewed as as an up-and-coming coach he leaves uh goes to the titans and they they just promote a guy who was here, but three or four years prior was coaching high school, and things fell apart. I don't know that it was on Wieselmeyer, but I don't know that it wasn't. And like you said, maybe we'll get a better feel going forward when um, there's new coaches looking at these uh, guys. Um, all right, the last one I sort of had that Ron Rivera would certainly want me to bring up, and that is culture. Now, here's the thing on this one. I give Ron Rivera a lot of credit for shielding, guarding his players from all the chaos that was happening over his four years with all the Snyder investigations and tons of other things. I think Ron Rivera is a good guy. I think he's a nice guy. I think he understands how to care for his players. You can tell even by the way they performed just the last game, they are not quit on him. And I think that says something about him. And the second he walks out the door, none of that matters. There's nothing going to be sustainable from that. The biggest change between 2020 and now is Dan Snyder is gone. And once Ron is gone, other than the name, that will be the end of the Dan Snyder era, essentially. I mean, there'll be lingering effects because of their, you know, various decisions that were made. But in general, that will be it. So the biggest change is that all the Snyder stuff is gone. That has nothing to do with Rivera. And like I said, at when you're four and thirty or four and twelve, you can't like say, hey. <laughs> Take this attitude going forward. They need it all needs to be started over. So even though, again, I give him credit for what he did in those four years, it is not applicable, I don't think, to the next guy that comes in. Therefore, I, it's better, but it's not, not for reasons that have to do with Rivera. Yeah, and I, I think it's also a matter of okay. So first of all, like culture is this vague word, right? So you always right. have to kind of be careful. Like, how do you define it? But I, I did a whole thing on this on on my podcast this week. The bulk of the culture problems with Washington 
really were business operations as opposed to football operations, right? Like the workplace misconduct scandal, the financial scandal, those were mostly business operations things. Business ops for the team having been cleaned up, A, is not Ron's doing. Like business ops, that's not under his purview. And, And also B, the team had no choice but to clean that stuff up. Like, okay, whether the team wanted to or not, saw the light or not, like, when you have the NFL launching multiple investigations, Congress investigating you, you have to clean your act up. So, like, those things getting better were, were bound to happen. What falls under Ron's uh, leadership, of course, is football operations. And, I, 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 you know, I just don't see how you can argue that the culture has been significantly improved. The record over his four seasons, awful. The point differential over his four seasons, awful. The drafting <laughs> over his four seasons, awful. I mean, where is the improvement And, you know, there also has been ugliness, okay? The Ryan Vermillion thing, that was Ron's guy. Ron brought him here. That was ugliness. Um, Look, the DeShazer Everett, Olivia Peters thing, especially what came out in recent days, this wrongful death lawsuit filed by Olivia's mom, Kathleen, uh, against DeShazer and two current Commanders players, Jamin Davis, Benjamin, St. Juice. I'm not blaming Ron for what happened to Olivia Peters, okay? But what does it say that this woman died and now two of your players are involved in a wrongful death lawsuit, one of whom, by the way, was drafted in part because of his character, right? Jamin Davis. Remember how everyone talked about that? Oh, this guy. Military military background. Yeah. Yeah, such great character. And, you know, we found out last year about his speeding problem. But now it turns out that he and Benjamin St. Juice may not have been little innocent angels in what happened with Olivia Peters two days before Christmas 2021. So, you know, show me where the culture has been upgraded. Like, I'm open to new information and uh, alternate opinions, but I I don't know how you could put forth an argument that Ron has drastically upgraded the culture. I think it's something that he and a few other people say, but there's actually not proof of that. He He is not upgraded the culture and to your point it doesn't mean that he's a bad person i don't think that he is i actually have a lot of respect for ron rivera you know he's had an impressive football life when you think about it but the truth is the truth uh the culture in terms of uh things that have fallen under his leadership is not significantly better all right so uh we we send uh where we go to the judges scorecards here (laughs) uh who who's the guy who's the guy who was at the boxing uh uh well, Mill, Mills Lane was the referee, but right, it was like thirty percent. No, not thirty percent. Who's the guy? Oh crap! I'll think about it. Howard Howard Letterman is that the name? I think you, that's you, right. would, you would know better than me. All right. Well, who am I? Right. You know the, the judge scorecards for you, Mister Galdi. What's the final verdict? Is did Ron Rivera leave this team in a better way than what he found? Uh, no, he didn't. He, he left it basically in the same state, which is shambles and not good. And that doesn't mean that there weren't some good things. There weren't some good moments. There were. OK, I was excited like a lot of people in 2021 with that four game winning streak. Uh, and there were, you know, a few other moments. You know, Ron has that saying that he makes. Right. He had his moments. They had their moments. Right. That's what I would say about Ron's tenure. He had his moments. But uh, ultimately, no. Uh, and, and that's the shame of all of this. We're basically right back to where we were at the end of the 2019 season with one big difference and one important difference. And that is that the ownership is different and that is huge. Yeah. I mean, it'll be funny if they actually do finish with the number two pick, it will literally be the same pick that he acquired. But now, and again, for the exercise we were just doing, we were saying Chase Young is not that pick yet. It's just that pick. 
Well, part of it is, though, the number two pick that he did inherit is not only gone, he, he traded it for a compensatory third. So the, the devalue of that is way worse. Um, I think about be you know, it's fair to say that it's a split. I think because at least, like I said, that group before had a lot more promise, even if there wasn't, as we debated, what star potential mean or stars mean, but had more promise. I just, this group, the three guys who were, Oh, by the way, we 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 didn't mention Tress Way. He's also you know another guy that's, <laughs> uh, carried over. Um, but you know the, the 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 same guys are the same stars, but they've all gotten paid and they've all got more tread on those tires. And there's nobody else. We're like, hey, you know what though? I'm excited to see where Forbes goes or Jamin Davis or whatever. And I think that to me makes it hard to say he left it in a better place. Um, and I don't even know it's completely neutral unless we see that, as you mentioned before, new coaching gets guys like St. Juice and Forbes and Dodson up levels than we've seen. If that happens, then that's a different story about what we're wrong. But yeah, at best it's neutral. And I think if I had to lean any, any other way, it would be, no, it didn't leave it in a better place. It's really unfortunate that this is even a conversation because if I would have told you in January 2020 that four years later we would be debating whether the team was better off then than it is now, with now being January 2020, you would have said, what? Like, the whole point of this is to be a lot better in, in the coming years. And instead, that the possibility existed, the mere notion could exist that this team is right back to where it was four years ago, is is really, <laughs> that is such a buzzkill. That is such a, a bummer of a thought, but... That's the reality, and uh, it's why Ron and uh, I think a lot of people are about to be fired. Oh, joy. Well, look, at the end of the day, it is the season is almost over. One game to go. It's Dallas week. We mentioned nothing about Dallas week, which is appropriate for where this is because, needless to say, only thing that matters for Dallas week is they lose this game. I'm sorry for the people who still can't accept that reality, even if it's Dallas. Them losing is way better for this organization going forward than them winning um any uh we'll talk again next week but any sort of final thoughts for you on this season or the ron rivera well, we'll talk about ron rivera next week but any final thoughts on sort of this season and uh you know how we, oh, we didn't talk about the quarterback do you care that sam howe is starting this week or, or not well i do and from a standpoint of i didn't want to kobe Brissett starting I, I thought that would have been extremely pointless so i wanted sam or jake from it ends up being sam um, you know, to, to sort of continue this theme of the way this season has gone, he ends up becoming the first guy to start every regular season game for Washington at quarterback since 2017. And like nobody really cares because it, it, it's not, you know, if you would have said that in August, you would have said, OK, well, that means that Sam had a pretty good season. At least you can't say that, you know, he, he sort of ends up doing it. uh by accident because he wasn't supposed to start the last game, the game against the Niners. And so that just kind of fits this motif. And, you know, I think it's interesting too, that Ron in his final week as Washington head coach makes one more big quarterback decision, right? Going back to Sam as a starting quarterback. And on that day ends up talking so much about his number one fail with Washington. And that is never figuring out quarterback. I, I thought that, uh, you know, these recent Ron pressers have been interesting because, look, they've been kind of sad and, and depressing because, like, Ron basically – you guys basically are asking Ron in a variety of ways, you're about to be fired, how you feeling, okay? Like, the, that's basically what every question is. 
And it's been interesting because Ron has gotten reflective and he has kind of pulled back the curtain a little bit on some things. And uh, he on Wednesday afternoon basically saying, yeah, I never figured out quarterback. And that's what doomed me more than anything. It's totally true. I mean, that's not a big revelation, but it, I just found it interesting that he kind of was that upfront about it. And uh, there's no doubt he never figured that out. And uh, we would have loved for him to have figured it out this season with Sam, but you can't say that. You know, to to your point, um, and this is one of the things I think it's gotten more frustrating over time, is that Ron Rivera came in here and he wasn't Bruce Allen. He seemed like much more of an adult than Jay Gruden. Sorry, Jay, but you know what I mean? Like, it, like this was like a man <laughs> in charge. You know, Jay, I mean, Jay never had the chance to be in charge but fully. But, you know what I mean, so Ron's in charge. Um, he's got this persona, the riverboat Ron thing. It's going to be his sort of his way or the highway. And then he had all these sayings and all these things. It was like, okay, there's something here. The guy went to the Super Bowl. They were 15 and one. I don't know. Why, why, why not? But over time, the messaging, I think, just got uh, more, became more and more discounted because it seemed more and obvious that, like, so much of what he was saying was just trying to pitch a product basically. And I think the Sam Howe thing is a, is, you know, the middle of the season in particular on and on about how this season is about the young quarterback, the young quarterback, the young quarterback. And like you just said, we get to the end and he's like, yeah, well, I never figured this out. Well, I mean, so you're saying Sam Howe isn't the guy. I mean, obviously it wasn't, it's not gonna be for him, but you know, I remember when Taylor Heineke after the 2021 season, Hey Ron, uh, where Ron starts talking about what they're going to do at quarterback, I don't think he mentioned Taylor Heineke as like an option, even though he kept saying all season, "Oh yeah, Taylor, sure, we're great." We're great. No, it, it was just too much of pitching product as opposed to being candid, and I think all that stuff sort of caught up to him eventually here. Yeah, the inconsistency with the messaging, I think, was a function of a lack of conviction in any of the messaging and never really having a true belief in the right way to be doing things and going about things. You know, I think there were maybe some general philosophies, but the fact that he changed his mind on so many things was not a sign of, hey, he's open-minded and open to change, because, of course, we all should be open-minded and open to change. This was more a reflection of, there's a lack of conviction, a lack of belief, uh, a lack of direction, a lack of knowing where you should be going. And that's a problem. Uh, that was a big problem with all of this. I mean, just the fact that he and his do or die season turned over the offense to someone else, turned over the scheduling to someone else. Like, you know, I, I think a lot of people would look at, hey, you either do well or you be fired. Like, you want to control that. And instead, he, like, willingly handled, handed over so much of this stuff to Eric Enemy. And it's like, why'd you do that? Well, because he thought it sounded good and, you know, it might come across well. And, you know, but it's like, that kind of was Ron. Um, there, there was just a, a lack of him being, him knowing what to do and where to go as you want a leader of an organization to know. And um, that, uh, that I think really stood out, especially these last few years. What has stood out, of course, to any podcast listener over the many years is you got to listen to Al Galdi on the Al Galdi podcast. He's also got his Nats podcast. Or are we having, is it more fun talking about the Nats these days or is that also equally uh, frustrating? Well, the Nats have done like nothing this offseason. Right. So there's not been much to talk about uh, with them. But, you know, the Nats are another team where they're rebuilding. Um, we'll see how it goes. And we are in such a unique time right now in D.C. sports where you have the Wizards tanking slash rebuilding. 
You have the Nats rebuilding. You have the Capitals retooling and actually doing pretty well, although, boy, they are up and down. Some nights things look good. Other nights they look awful. And then we have the Commanders, who almost certainly are about to embark on a rebuild. So I don't know that we've ever had this. Potentially four teams all retooling slash rebuilding at the same time. We've always seemingly had at least one that's a contender or at least you'd like to think is a contender. Um, we don't have that right now. I mean, I guess the Caps could make the playoffs. It's possible. But uh, these are uh, strange and foreign times in D.C. sports, for sure. And not only that, I'm not discounting uh, some of the Nats prospects or Bilal Koulibaly or, you know, (laughs) whatever you whichever guy you want to point to here or whatever the Caps have. But like, boy, it was a few years ago. There was Harper. There was RG3. There was Ovechkin, Strasburg. Yeah. I don't know what you're looking at now. I, I don't know. There's like, it, it's hard to even look at any of these teams like, well, which like basically if, if the standard sports talk radio question is which team is closest to doing something. I, I have no idea. I don't think the answer is anybody. No, I mean, you know, the biggest star is Alex Ovechkin, but you know, he's not having a great season in terms of goal production and he's not going to be playing forever. Okay. Like, you know, the end is coming at some point here. And uh, yeah, when he retires, who is the next guy? Who's the next big alpha sports star in this city? We don't have that right now. Uh, hopefully someone emerges. Hey, maybe Emmanuel Forbes busts out as a shutdown corner next season, but uh, I don't know that anyone's holding his or her breath on that. Don't know. Um, all right. If you got thoughts on that, you can hit Al up on Twitter or X at Al Galdi. I'm at Ben Standing. And uh, Al, we'll talk next week on your podcast. Keep this going for a, a a while longer and uh you know i think we'll have a lot to talk about next week that will very much be what's happening going forward that in and of itself will be exciting just because it'll be very very different than what we've been discussing for the last 20 years here in the nation's capital thanks guy appreciate it yep thank you all right big thanks to al Galdi for his time thanks to everyone here for checking out the podcast uh again monday we'll have a uh, episode recapping whatever happens where we stand and what's going on from there but uh but for now have a good weekend we'll see what happens sunday against the cowboys until next time see ya